Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Melissa. And we've been friends since everybody's favorite time of life, puberty. Like most people who thought cutting their own bangs was a good idea, we're professionals in feeling that itchy, cringy, out-of-place awkwardness. Join us as we unapologetically explore the topics that make us cringe and how to be okay with it. Now let's get uncomfortable. Hi there, it's editor Melissa coming to you from the editing bay again. I just want to note that this episode was recorded on June 3rd, a week and two days after the passing of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police officers. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, things have hopefully progressed in the direction of much-needed change. I want to express that the conversations we have in this episode are under the context that Vanessa and I are both in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. We hope that you and your loved ones continue to stay safe and healthy, especially if you are out there supporting the cause through your local organized protests. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode of I'm Uncomfortable, we're going to be exploring recent events, specifically the murder of George Floyd, the riots as a result of the protests, the discussions that we've had, and the discomfort that has ensued. So, Melissa, what has made you uncomfortable this week? Well, um, a lot of things have made me uncomfortable, to say the least. It's been a really weird, uncomfortable week, but I think the most unease that I've felt is with myself and the conversations, which we'll be talking about in this episode that I've been slowly but surely trying to force into the family conversations in the household. So that's what's made me uncomfortable. How about you? Um, I hate, I don't know, I hate to say this, but it's, so it's a catch-22 for me, because on one hand, I really appreciate all of the resources that are being put out there, um, through work, via my friends, on Instagram, but also I'm feeling a little overwhelmed at the amount of resources that I'm getting, and I want to sift through them, like, I'm even signing up for a book club now. There's just a, and I, I mean, I'm glad to do the work, but I'm just feeling kind of like drained, you know? Yeah, I definitely concur with that feeling. It's this weird, I keep, I probably keep saying weird because it's just been an influx of uh, frustration, overwhelm, being, feeling overwhelmed and then anger and like, awkwardness um sadness all of it just circulating and then when you add on top of that all these ways as an ally to contribute and help it's it's a lot it's overwhelming kind of <sighs> the same way too i have to agree um i think one of the main challenges that has come up for the both of us is the challenge of, and we're going to discuss this today, um, talking to our families and confronting our own privilege, even though we're also people of color, and understanding the anti-blackness that exists even within our own community. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I just, what, what has your experience with this been? Because mine, I think, has been ongoing, but 
it's definitely heightened with what's been going on. Yeah, I want to say that I haven't directly experienced with my immediate family any of these anti- any of the anti like the more prevalent anti-blackness cultural how do you even identify those things but like the acts and the thoughts around anti-blackness in the Filipino community or Filipina X I don't know how to pronounce that but um, <laughs> the Filipino Filipina X yes that's me I am that um I haven't directly experienced that in my family but I, I remember growing up, especially in the community that we both grew up in, and hearing from our friends about things like papaya soap, which for those who don't know what that is, it is a soap that is essentially supposed to help lighten your skin. So mm-hmm. that, as well as, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't, grow up watching the Filipino channel, but I definitely knew that the word mestiza, which was like, how do you explain mestiza? Light-skinned? You're more, you're, okay. I will, because I got called that all the time, and it was said as if it was this big compliment. Like, oh, she's so mestiza. And I'm like, is that the only nice thing that you have to say about me? Is that my skin is light? And I never knew how to react, because I was like, that is a weird effing compliment to get. Like, that's just a weird compliment. it's like, also one of those things where it's like, did the, it's like a backhanded, is, no, I guess it's not a backhanded compliment. They're literally trying to compliment you on the fact that, based on the fact that white, you're whiter, the whiter your skin is, the better it is. But like as if yeah, you could I, control it though. It's not like, oh my God, your <laughs> right. eyeliner on point today. Like, get it, girl. It's like, oh, you were born light-skinned? Snaps to you. I'm so happy that you popped out of your mom's vag as a light-skinned child. Like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Or another thing that we mentioned, too, is or you don't play in the sun um, and, you know, get tan because that was also a thing that came up where it's like, don't play out in the sun for too long. You're going to get too dark. God forbid. I remember getting those comments, too. Like, in summers, we're just outside. Wait, can I tell you something, Like a normal child. I need to tell you this. I grew up thinking... No, stop. (laughs) I grew up (laughs) thinking that the purpose of sunscreen was not to protect your skin from the harmful rays of the sun. I thought the purpose of sunscreen was to help you not get brown. I legit thought that that was the reason why you wore sunscreen. So as a kid, I was like, I don't care about wearing sunscreen, mom. Like, who gives an F? Like, I'm trying to go outside and have fun, jump in this pool right now. Like, stop. I thought it was just because I was like, I don't care about being brown. How many days you like? How many days years old? <laughs> like, you know what that whatever I that. No, dude, it is. took way too. I long. was X days old when I when you realized that that's not the purpose of sunscreen. Maybe high school. Okay, because I remember, because <laughs> I've always, I want to say that I've always been a proponent for sunblock, sunscreen. You have, you have. You always remind me to wear it. Yeah, okay, like, <laughs> skin cancer is real, people, and, like, just because you're brown or just because you have, like, darker skin, that doesn't mean, and you don't get sunburned typically, that doesn't mean you shouldn't wear sunblock, okay? 
<laughs> and it was just, I remember hearing. I thought that people who were already darker didn't have to wear yeah, it. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people thought. And I was like, I did not grow up that way. I, You put sunblock and you wait for 15 <laughs> minutes before you jump into that pool so that that sunblock can protect your skin from getting sunburned. Well, I'm glad that your mom or so. dad or whoever taught you that it was actually about protecting your skin. But I mean, okay, listen. Yeah, like, I don't this- know. <laughs> no, sorry. I, all I was just going to say is I don't know why I got so impassioned about sunblock just then. It's clearly an issue that you continue. care about deeply. <laughs> skincare, people. Skincare. Uh, um, and I was just going to say, like, we're laughing about this, but all of this really just goes to show how anti-blackness is so prevalent within our own community in ways that we just don't realize it. And none of our parents are going to say like, oh, well, I hate black people, you know, or like, oh, like black is bad. But there's all these little things, um, these like microaggressions almost like in our own community. Like, yeah, like, oh, like dating a white person is much more valued than dating someone who is darker skinned than you and i'm not even going to say black because that's not even always the case really it's it's um and i have experienced that not directly but i've definitely heard distant relatives to my cousins say you shouldn't date this person because they're bad and it was referring to a fellow person of color and i'm like i overheard that and at the time it was like a a number of years ago and I was like I heard it and I was like disgusted but then I didn't have anything I didn't say anything just because of the authority complex of like you don't talk well back to as a kid and things like that and I didn't know like how to respond to that she didn't my cousin didn't know how to respond to that either she that's was just awkward. like okay you were the one who asked me about if I had a boyfriend like that's not what aunties 101 they'll ask you at a family party like are you dating somebody and you're like you asked me so I'm gonna tell you they're hoping to hear you have a nice light-skinned or preferably white boyfriend who is like successful but no dude as a kid I know some of my cousins dated black people or Mexican people and as a kid I was like wow like do the aunties just have like a a sixth sense for who's bad like, do they just know that some people are bad and others are good? Do I develop that skill as an adult? And now I'm like, no, it's not a fucking skill. Literally, there is no basis for that judgment of them saying they're bad, other than the fact that they were of a different either culture, right, or skin color. Like, that's it. That's the only thing they had to go for them was that judgment. And but what they even- they were taught. But listen, they'll even say it about, and this was perplexing to me as a kid, too, like, they'll even say it about other Filipinos, they won't say like, oh, they're bad, oh, yeah. but if they're darker skinned, there's like a, you know, they say something about it. Like it's not, they don't let it fly. It doesn't pass. Yeah, I definitely have heard that in recent, like months even. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's good. They're like the lighter skinned Filipinos. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what does this even mean? Like, why does it have to be this way? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, it just is. It's And that's what I think makes it difficult and frustrating to address because it's, it is microaggressions. It is subtle, um, these subtle actions and thought processes that have been weaved into their generation's brain and essentially our brains too, at least, but we're at a point where we've been privileged to be exposed to 
a lot more people and therefore a lot more diversity and have learned to unlearn those things or at least question those Mm -hmm. things. And I think what's been tying it back to the part that that's made me uncomfortable this past week is like identifying those things in myself and looking back at the actions and the thoughts that I had and the things that I did in the past where I am feel guilty for and obviously I can't change what I've done in the past but like the guilt that I've been feeling is being educated now and feeling so behind in this like in this whole movement and this whole cause um I guess yeah and I think because it's so frustrating to address those and difficult to address those prejudices in myself in our own lives it's I double difficult <laughs> 10 times more difficult to have a conversation with family members about it it's like okay I'm learning alongside with you but I need to be equipped with a t- like I'm a communications person I come from a communications department and a degree in journalism and I'm like you need the tools and the toolkits to like counter and you know evidence you know I don't feel like I have that yet I'm forcing myself to have these conversations with my family members. And that's that's hard. hard I applaud you. That is, I applaud anybody who has tried to have these conversations with their family members because it is difficult. And you just said, you know, like the tools, like you need the tools and then the research. I think the hard part about trying to talk to members in our community about this, especially our parents and other, you know, older relatives is that, the facts are not helpful to them, to their survival, to their prosperity. And the mm-hmm. evidence is, it's, it's so easy to kind of look at that evidence and twist it and think like, well, if they had just worked harder or tried better or like, well, no, we also faced discrimination. Concept. We also came here with nothing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's hard to refute that because you see how much they've worked and how they've worked hard. And it, it mm-hmm. almost pains them to accept that they have more privilege than somebody else. Um, but to your Not point... Not even accept it, I think acknowledge. Like to even just... Oh, you're right. No, mm-hmm. to option. even acknowledge it. Like it's accepting hard. is a whole different thing. Yeah. But I mean, to your point earlier, we need to see our privilege, acknowledge it, and speak to our family members about it, even though it's uncomfortable. Black people right. live in that discomfort and will continue to if we do not take steps to dismantle the idea that, like, the white way is the right way. Or that we, as the model minority, are just, like, going to overlook it. It's not helpful to anybody. Can so. we just talk about my the model minority thing for a bit? I, I mean, I'm continuing to learn. I, I, I first heard of the term a couple of years ago, but I'm, I'm sure that you've been reading up about it as well. I just think it's, I've, I've, I've tried. I, I might, I mean, I'm going to try it again. Like I've tried using that term in, conver- in some of these difficult conversations I've been having recently and utilizing the word like wedge, like white mm-hmm. people have used, have literally used the Asian American community as this wedge to separate us from the different, all of the different minority communities in this country. 
so that we can't really band together and maybe think about the fact that this way of life is not conducive to our prosperity as human beings. Like I, it's just, I I think trying to, I think what I've been trying to do is try to find commonality between our experience as Asian Americans and the, it's hard because obviously, like you said, the, the black experience in this country can never compare to the Asian American immigrant story at all. But at least in my perspective, how I try to explain it to the older um, relatives and my parents is that we have our rights as Asian Americans because of the Black Lives Matter movement, because of the Black social justice movement. They're the ones who fought for human rights um, and civil rights for us. And it's just hard to explain that in a way that makes sense and like relates. So I'm trying to constantly see what I can pick and choose from this model minority stereotype to help with that narrative of like, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, to be honest. I think it's hard for our, our parents to separate their own experiences from the experience of the black community. And if you have um, tried to talk to your parents about this and you've also been frustrated like I have, I think it's it's really helpful to try and understand their experiences mm-hmm. and think about where they're coming from because it really does shape the way that they are perceiving the black struggle like okay my mom in our conversations like when when I first got out of college and I was signing up you know for Teach for America and everything like I tried having conversations with my mom about mm-hmm. you know people of color and oppression and, and just all of these things and not even black lives matter necessarily just like everyone as everyone who is a person of color and the struggle mm-hmm. and it was so hard and she would get so upset and it wasn't until later in our conversations where my mom kind of alluded to the fact that she got some form of assistance when she was, you know, really first getting established in America. And she described mm-hmm. her experience and she described, you know, black and Mexican people as uh, as taking advantage of or playing the system. And her whole thing was like, well, you know, they were just helping each other out. And instead of wanting to work and get out of the system, they were just keeping each other in the system and helping each other out and taking advantage. And that really just shows how she's just bought into this idea that you should be able to work your way out. And that reinforces Mm -hmm. her own belief in the model minority. She doesn't even know those words and doesn't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. But the, the idea and that belief is being reinforced because she sees, oh, me and my fellow Filipinos or me and the other Asians in this community, like we have been able to rise above the struggle and work our way up without really realizing that, I think, Melissa, you said it to me when we were talking about this earlier, the system is not designed to really help. It, it's more designed to keep you in it. So unless yeah. you have yeah. connections or help, it's it's almost impossible to get out. Yeah, and I think that's the trap that was built on purpose, obviously. I don't know if it's obviously. They're sneaky I don't guys. Think it is. I don't know. I think the problem is it's really not obviously, and... 
if if you look back in history and, and it's on purpose, not it's uh, it's on purpose, on purposely not, not obvious. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, that's you can say that for like any like there's there's a reason why there's like jargon that people like it there's they create these blockages of whether it's like language or education status all of these things that are associated with the struggle that it is to be like an immigrant to this country or um lower income or in a dis quote-unquote disadvantaged community those are all things these like culture not cultural these institutions and these governmental structures and these these cultural structures are created in a way that it makes it hard for the the person that's trying to get you know navigate through it to get out of it like you said it's just they it's on purpose they did it on purpose yeah i mean i mean listen this is not trying to say that the filipino community is the only community facing this like this issue i definitely have Mm -hmm. seen a lot of my asian friends on instagram talking about how in their own communities it's really hard to explain to their parents how black lives matter is a movement for all and i know some of my mexican friends have also had a really difficult time trying to talk to their parents because i don't know why it has to be this way where one has to be better than the other it's in order to be successful. But that, right. I mean, and that's the system that they've created. Right. And yes. And for those who do not understand what we're talking about, um, when we mentioned model minority, um, I am referencing an article by Rachel Kuo um, from Everyday Feminism called Six Reasons We Need to Dismantle the Model Minority Myth of Those Quote Unquote Hardworking Asians. And Um, The way she puts it in here is the model minority myth is a stereotype that generalizes Asian Americans by depicting them as the perfect example of an if they can do it, so can you success story. And it's actually in history when the U.S. was accepting immigrants from different countries, they had education, like higher education standards for those from Asian countries that wanted to come to the U.S., so they were forced to educate themselves, which isn't a bad thing. But in order for them to come to the U.S. and have a successful, you know, to be able to be allowed into the country. And, um, and I am not going to get into details of that, but that's already from the get-go a filter for this, to serve this model minority myth. It's like at the minimum, they, we, we were brought, quote-unquote, or we came to this country with educations and degrees while black people in this country and their ancestors came here on slave ships, you know, like it's a very different way in which we have come to this country. Uh, and, I, um, that's so true. I, it's hard for me to, to, to tell my mom, you chose to come here. Black people did not choose to come here. They yet were they forced. are forced to live in this country in a system that was not built for them. And you know what I've heard? Um, someone, I, I tried to explain this to somebody one time, and they were like, well, why don't they just leave America if they hate it so much and it treats them so unfairly? And I was like, and go where? Where? I'm sorry, where are they supposed to go? Their parents, grandparents, um, 400 and grandparents <laughs> right. were taken and put here. Like, they don't have any connections. This- they got rid of family names. Like, they, they separated families on purpose. Go where 
That's the part that I was this, flabbergasted by. I was like, what do you mean go back? Go back where? Uh, uh, that's that usually a rough. joke, the, a bad joke that you say to an, like, that people say to Asian people. Go back to your country, right? <laughs> like, right. No, but this one was purely. I mean, I do the, have family in the Philippines, you know? Do they know me? No. But, no. you know, like, for the, peop- for the black people that live here, this is their home. This is yes. their country. This is where they're, they're three generations, if not four generations of people, of their family members have yeah, been no, here. You, you they know talk. nothing else but this country. Exactly. You cannot talk about the history of America without black people. It, it's just not possible. They so. built our economy. They built the... F- Ugh, I can't. Well, this is like... I can, we could go in on, on The purpose of, of the episode, let us let me remind us, is <sighs> that we need to talk okay. to our family members about why black lives matter. <laughs> because This is why we have notes. <laughs> People who are listening are probably like, yes, like, I've struggled with this too. It's so difficult. It's hard. And one of my friends, actually, she hit me up the other day because um, she saw this Filipino girl that we had done our Filipino dance troupe um, stuff with. And this girl was saying, you know, like, all lives matter. And that, (laughs) yes, all, all lives matter, if you're listening and aren't familiar, is a hashtag that basically is is used to decredit the, the Black Lives Matter movement by saying that all lives matter. Because, yes, all lives matter, obviously, but, you know, we're trying to empower the, the community that is struggling the most and who should be uplifted right now. But that's, I think, where our parents kind of fall into the spectrum of is like, well, we worked hard and we tried. And the hard to, thing about talking to your to your parents and relatives is trying to remind them that, yes, me saying Black Lives Matter and fighting for this movement and trying to be an ally does not mean that I am discrediting all of the things that you've done. Yes, you came here right. and you struggled and you built a life for yourself. However... There are certain privileges that we've been allowed as the quote-unquote model minority. And to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, Melissa, I didn't even see Filipinos as the model minority, to be 100% honest. Like, in my mind, Hmm. the model minority applied to other Asians, specifically, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, even. And even within those, there's a hierarchy almost, like, different layers to, to which one is the best model minority, which is crazy, it did, it does, I mean, in this article that I'm referencing, it does mention that it, this myth is also a political strategy that highlights the success of Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and Indian immigrants with a specific professional and educational background. It is a historical and presently, and presently used tool designed to protect institutionalized white supremacy and validate, validate anti-black racism. It doesn't mention Filipinos here. Nope. And... It just goes to show that the the system has created this. I'm gonna use quotes because I don't want to. By saying it, I don't want to like validate it as so. But like this, um, quote unquote hierarchy. This like unspoken hierarchy of minorities and cultures within the Asian community as a whole, and it. Uh, I don't know. See, it runs so deep that we even see ourselves as like not even like we've seen ourselves as not even the the model minority right mm-hmm. does that mean you yeah. think it's like considered like less than 
I've tried asking my sense. mom that. Did not go over very well at all. She tends <laughs> to get, and this might be a tip for everybody, right? Like when our when our parents are backed into a corner or they don't feel like they have an answer, they get defensive. And that's most people. That's not just because they're our parents or they're our elders. Like that's most people. When you feel like you're backed mm-hmm. into a corner, a tendency is to get defensive and, and to protect mm-hmm. yourself. And so my mom has like yelled at me. <laughs> She, like, yelled at me at a restaurant one time. It was, like, super embarrassing. But that she had, like, reached her breaking point. And I had I had been talking calmly the entire time because I had previously learned that being loud back does not work. So I was trying to be calm the whole time. And she, like, turned that against me. And she was like, oh, like, you're so calm. Like, you think that you know better, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't experience what I experienced. And that made me really stop and think, like, no, she's right. I did not experience... And I will never know what it's like to come to America from the Philippines and to have to settle down and rely on your scattered network to build a life and and to try to find a good job and raise your kids and to send them to the best possible school. Like, I won't get that. And in that moment, I realized that there are a lot of things that are affecting her perspective of the world that I am not privy to. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the times in our in our communities, especially our like the Asian community, we don't talk about struggle. It's almost embarrassing. Given. You want to save face, you know? It's, you don't want to let people yeah. know how hard you had it because it's almost embarrassing to admit that you struggled, even though everybody struggled. And but so I we thought, don't talk about it. I was it. thinking... I thought that it wasn't talked about because it was just a given. Like, that's a minimum. You struggle to get here. Let's just talk about this. The, let's compare successes and let's compare the degrees or the schools that your kid, you know, the schools that your kids got into. I thought that that was what, the reason why, at least no, from my dude, perspective. If you turn that on its head, though, it's like, let's talk about the successes because we don't want to acknowledge the struggle because the struggle makes us look weak. We don't talk about the struggle because it's almost mm. shameful we don't want to let people know how hard we had it. We don't want to be like, oh, poor us. The idea is actually, oh, look at us. Look at how well my kid is doing. But, you know, yeah. I work two jobs at the hospital and I'm always tired and don't have any money. But look, I can afford to send my kid to a private school. Right. That's. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I didn't look at it that way. So if you're trying to talk to your parents about this. I think the the first thing to do is try to understand why they think the way they do. Because if you don't try to understand their thinking, you're just going to be frustrated. And I had been frustrated with my mom until she like let little bits slip out. But that was after so much arguing already and years mm-hmm. of me trying to work on this dialogue with her. Um, but the important thing, too, is like don't not have the dialogue because it's hard. Not saying anything mm-hmm is worse than trying and getting mad you know like try to make them watch 13th on netflix with you try to read them an article ask them what they think and why start a conversation because it's better than not saying anything at all yeah and i'll obvious i'm obviously backing that up because that's what i'm going through right now and i know that it's going to be a it's the long haul effort I should say and again that's kind of comes back to like the guilt that I feel that I'm like I you know should have been working on this probably um years and years ago but 
I don't know. It just, I mean, it just, there's just no excuse right now. There's just been so many, like you say that there's an overwhelming amount of resources. Drop them into a hat and pick one. You know, like there's so much, there's so many starting points right now. Like the excuse is definitely can never, cannot be that I don't know where to start. And uh, I've, I've been seeing too, a lot of the times, Um, At least for me specifically, I've been seeing a lot of articles and resources specifically aimed towards like the Asian American community and how we can support specifically the Black uh, Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. in our own cultures and and dismantling those um, ingrained um, prejudices and ideals. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can start. Um, I want to just it's just going to be uncomfortable. It's just (laughs) going to be. I'm also going to say something that might make some people uncomfortable, but it needs to be said. If you are posting a black square on Instagram for Blackout Tuesday, or you're reposting someone's artwork about Black Lives Matter, like you are not doing enough. You might think that you've done something because you've openly said something. And like, I'm glad that you're doing that. You definitely do need to say something. But unless you're a your friends with a bunch of Trump supporters, I guarantee you that most of the people on your feed, not all of them, yeah. right? But most of them are probably in that same bucket of a belief system with you. So you need to do more. And to wrap up okay. our episode today, we want to share some resources or maybe not resources. That's uh, <laughs> I'm overwhelming myself. <laughs> we want to share some of the actions <laughs> that we've taken and that you might want to take as well. So Melissa, what are some... You've done a lot of work around this, really. I applaud you. So what are some actions that you've taken in order to Um, to further the movement? Yeah, well, right now, currently on my Instagram, I have the Breonna Taylor petition um, linked. I think signing the petitions for Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor have been, I think... I, the reason why I linked it was because it's one of the easiest things you can do. Like, oh yeah, it doesn't cost it takes money two seconds. for people that are having a hard time right now. Do we can we like? Did we forget that we're also still in a freaking a pandemic? Pandemic crisis. <laughs> Jesus, above everything else. Um, but <laughs> somebody texted me. Yeah. they were like, "There's an earthquake today." Also, I can't. <laughs> too much. I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> I can't. It's just, uh, I don't Yeah. So anyways, I put that link into my Instagram bio because I think that the petitions are the easiest thing that you can do in terms of action. All you need to do is fill out the form, just like you would fill out your shipping information for something you bought on Amazon or, you know, um, um, that takes also, longer. No, no, no. I need to say this. Filling out your shipping information and billing information <laughs> on Amazon takes longer than signing the petition. Just saying. I've done okay, it. Okay. Yeah. See, there you go. Um, <laughs> even more reason to do so. There's there's a... Yeah. Anyways. And the reason for those petitions are, ob- are obviously... Well, maybe it's not obvious to people, so I'll explain it. It's to um, gather support around pressuring the, those in charge to bring justice to these people's lives and bring justice and by justice I mean bring the police officers that are responsible for their deaths to justice um in custody and yeah all of that so I linked that but I also have been doing a lot of delving into my specific segment of this movement 
again, I, we talked a lot about the model minority uh, myth. Um, so I'm doing a lot of reading on that. Um, I did shout out one article, but and I, I think I also shared a couple articles because articles are super short and easy to read. It's it's overwhelming, like you said, to see all of these lists of books, which I've, I've actually downloaded on Audible a number of these books. But to, let me just read out some of these articles that I've read. On every, Everyday Feminism, Six Reasons We Need to Dismantle the Mono Minority Myth of Those Hardworking Asians, which I mentioned previously. And another quick read was, um, again, from Everyday Feminism, Six Ways Asian Americans Can Tackle Anti-Black Racism in Their Families. And I thought this one was really helpful because it it pretty much um, gives you a breakdown of the anti-Black uh, subtleties in our um, cultures and communities. Um, what else? I have all of these tabs open. Um Vanessa and I also shared, and it's they're still linked in our um, bio. What was the one that you shared, Vanessa? Oh, yeah. I wanted to take a walk, and I just happened. It was fate, really. I came across that somebody else had, like, reshared from someone else about um, I took a black walk. And in it, the author describes – let me get the author's name. The author describes what it's like to go for a walk in a predominantly white community – and it really just made me stop and think about, you know, I take that so for granted. Um, David I think his name Summers. is David. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't even written, like, recently. It, it, and that made me just so sad. Um, re- definitely read it. It takes two minutes. And it'll make you really think about the littlest privilege that you do experience. Like, t- taking a walk. Taking a walk. And I'm going to say now... As a woman, taking a walk already can be problematic and difficult, but this puts it, I think, on a whole other level. Different perspective, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, so that short story, just to get your brain juices flowing. And then I also shared a blog post um, from this blog called So Let's Talk About Blank. And um, it's, hold on, what is the full full name of the blogger? His name's... Rafi D'Angelo, and the title of the article is How to Respond to Quote-Unquote Riots Never Solve Anything, and it literally lists things that you may hear, like riots never solve anything, and then it gives you a a response, and then um, I think there's, yeah, a good list of responses. If you're talking to your, to friends even, right, not even parents, Mm -hmm. if you're talking to people about the riots, and you're talking about talking about it to someone who doesn't get it I really would recommend that as a read yeah um like for example I'll just read a snippet of it like what number six on this list is if you hear there are better ways than the riots and the looting that they're seeing the response is keep working on those better ways don't let the riots stop you fight for criminal justice reform, fight for income equality, fight for universal health care, fight for free education, fight for higher taxes on the 1%, fight for all of those things that would make writing less likely. And while you're fighting the long, slow war towards black people having a fair shot in this country, the same war we've been fighting for hundreds of years, there will be times when some people directly affected by the war see your actions as futile and they just want to break some stuff. 
Clutch your pearls less and speed up the war if you're so offended by property damage. Okay, the end part was a little like a little sassy, but yeah, a little sass. But you know, you can leave that part out if you know it's going to get offensive. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's just helpful again communication tools and and responses that you can have in your back pocket Mm -hmm. when these questions come up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms, those are some, just some of the articles that I've read. Actually, I did want to mention a resource. Mm-hmm. I think, Melissa, you might have shared it on Instagram. And it is basically this, like, open letter um, that you can share. I copy and paste that it. It's my mom, word for word. I just sent her the, the images. Um, but it's letters for black lives. And it says, Dear Mom, Dad, Uncle, Auntie, Black Lives Matter to us, too. And it has the letter fully translated. Um, so the translation, and I'm, I'm sorry if my Americanized accent butchers this, um, but it's, Mahal kong nanay, tatay, tito, tito. Mahalagarin sa amin ang buhay ng mga itim. Which basically is Dear Mom, Dad. So it's the title. And it translates all of the English words into Tagalog so you can um, take it and, and use it for your family as well. Yeah, and um, it's been actually translated into multiple different languages, which I think is awesome and helpful. Like, this is a type of resource that I think um, has been very helpful. It's empowering people who may have that feeling of awkwardness or, like, doesn't not knowing where to start with their family members. Like, this is a great way to do that. You literally just have to copy and paste it. And um, I actually posted it to my Facebook as well and, and posted in a comment on my Facebook inviting my family members essentially to comment uh, about it just so we can, inviting them to be in that conversation and to have that conversation with me. Didn't Great. have any responders, but there you go. <laughs> this is it's well, a start, but. The point is to start, right? And one of my friends actually saw that I posted it, and she said that she was inspired to then try to talk to her mom about it, even though she'd been avoiding it. And um, Mm. she said, I cry because I've been struggling with my mom. It's been difficult since my mom chooses not to listen. And so she sent screenshots kind of just like I did to her mom and is hoping that at least she'll read it. And my Mm -hmm. therapist has said that sometimes you need to just write it down or have it read, you know, instead of words that might be easier to process for them. So, Mm -hmm. Hopefully that's helpful to all of you. It's a starting point for sure, and it's a good one. But I do want to mention that there are a few books that I have downloaded recently. Hood Feminism, Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. I also downloaded How to Be an Anti-Racist, Very Straightforward, by Ibram X. Kendi. I think that's how you pronounce it. So those two books are in my queue, and um, I'm also currently listening to 1619 on Apple Podcasts, um, which is a series, an audio series by the New York Times, which goes through the history of black oppression in this country. Hmm. And pretty much just U.S. history, TBH. It's a complicated one. Yeah, Um, and I know there's a lot of things right now, but what about you, Vanessa? What have you been reading up on? Well, in an effort to not make myself more uncomfortable, since I talk, talked about resource overwhelm earlier, I think I'm just going to name two things. So one thing... Okay, here I was, I've like, <laughs> overwhelming you. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. It's a lot, well, you know, there are people out there who can definitely handle the capacity and are willing to go at it, and that's great. Um, but if, if you need to take things a little slower, that's also fine. So... Mm-hmm. 
I'm just going to, I'm just going to say two of the things that I've done, right? So one thing that I'm in the process of doing is one of my friends on Instagram posted, you know, I'm going to read this book called Overcoming Our Racism, The Journey to Liberation. Who wants to join a book club with me? And I was like, you know what? F it. Yes, me. I will join the book club. That will motivate Can me to I read the book. Can I join the book club? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it gives like um, a reason, a, a place to speak freely and have an open dialogue about it. And then the second thing that I've done is to try to raise money for different you know organizations i'm not going to go into all of the organizations because a quick instagram or google search will give you a list i really recommend choosing for my birthday i chose five organizations to give to um so just even just choose one pick one Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. donate as much as you can even if it's just five dollars and even that will already help to, to further. Even if it's a dollar, t- to be honest, and then share it, like share that. Share because it. I think people yeah. underestimate the power of their platform, even though you may be in the same echo chamber as all your friends. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's always going to be somebody there. No, it's totally true. That, there is. I, and for my mm-hmm. birthday, I asked for people to donate along with me and a couple of people did. And then I also asked all of my coworkers, I sent an email about you know this company one of my friends works for that's matching donations and doubling them actually and mm-hmm. I asked who's willing to donate and we raised over six hundred dollars in just a day and a half and I sent it to him tonight so that's I didn't awesome. contri- contribute six hundred dollars I got a lot of you know friends to do so and there's power in the collective movement, right? Asking people to join you, people participating. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You might also be giving that person a way to contribute if they've been feeling lost or frustrated in the process. Yeah, and and to just build off of that. And I think, and that's why I think the choice to be silent right now is inexcusable in my opinion because even if you're that confused person that doesn't really know where to start and you're seeing all these posts there's a point where and it's not like people aren't on social media I know you on social media I see you lurking on my (laughs) stories and stuff like that I see you um but you're not posting anything or sharing anything or at least posing an opinion but what I'm trying to say is is that you never know like when you share a link or you're sharing that piece of artwork that can lead that may seem like futile and and you don't really feel like that's contributing to anything but someone who may already agree with you that seeing that post that you shared may push them to take that action and make that donation um you know like i think and we've seen it between the two of us and, and in our circle of friends that we've inspired each other through this past couple of days, this past week, with the things that we've posted mm-hmm. to write a blog post or to make that donation or to sign that petition or to read up on the article that we shared with each other. And I think there's there's an underestimated power um, of just saying something about it. Yes. Because it's, there's no excuse right now. Now... I will say, if you are talking to your family members or other friends, or if you just notice that they've been silent, try to see how they're feeling about everything that's going on and ask them why. 
sometimes I think our family members or other friends might be hesitant to say anything because they might not want to say or do the wrong thing or they simply just Mm -hmm. are overwhelmed and don't know what to think about what's happening. So don't jump at the, I used to do this with my mom all the time, just kind of jump on anything and go forward and try to push my agenda forward. But that is not necessarily the solution speaking from my own experience. And there's definitely going to be times where they say something that frustrates you and that makes you upset, but but that's why you have us. (laughs) That's how you have your friends to lean on for support. So don't let that stop you. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, I was going to say, is this like, that's as positive as it's going to get. Like it's, it's, there's a lot of turmoil that's happening right now and has been happening right now, but that's, you know, empowering each other and your group of friends to have those hard conversations and those uncomfortable conversations is, is a good next step. It's the next right thing to do. Yes. And hopefully we talk to you all next time, uh, on some better trips. Yes.